Break Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Now, we were talking yesterday on the show to the money doctor, John Lowe, about the new auto-enrolment pension scheme that uh, is being introduced by the government. What they're doing is they're dragging this out over 10 years. So next year, towards the end of next year, all employers will have to have um, a pension for their employees. They'll have to put in uh, 1.5% themselves. The employee will have to put in 1.5%, and the estate will be put in half a percent. So when I tell you that even if you're a 29-year-old person on, say, 30,000, you can still put in 15% and get the full 15%. If you're on 40% tax, every 100 euros you put into your pension, the government is going to give you back 40 euros. It's a fantastic um, investment, the actual pension is. But this is like 1.5% is a drop in the ocean. In three years' time, uh, you'll have it up to 3%, and then 4.5%. And then finally, after 10 years, you get 6%. The, you, your employer pays 6%. And then the government pays 2%. That's a total of 14%. 14%. It's still not enough, but it's better than a slap in the face or a drop in the ocean, as they right. say. So there is a contribution from the employer. Yeah. There's a contribution from the employee. And the government, a bit like the old SSIA, is contributing. Is it something like one euro for every three invested? Yeah, it, it's, well, you know, if you put the the end uh, percentages at 6%, 6%, and 2%, it's not quite uh, yeah. one for every three. But it, it's, still, it's still better than nothing. Uh, and bear in mind that you can opt out, if you're an employee, you can opt out uh, after six months, but you'll be automatically re-enrolled after two years. So you've also then got a maximum cap of 80,000. So if you're on 85,000, um, the employer and the government will only pay up to 80,000. Right, that's John Lowe, the money doctor, chatting to us about the new pension scheme announced by the government this weekend. Adam Higgins writes on politics for the Irish Sun newspaper. He's on the line. Good morning to you. How are you doing? Um, Good morning, Joe. So, um, notice some reports uh, this morning. Um, one of your uh, colleti- colleagues who writes on politics, uh, I think it's Hugh O'Connell with the Irish Independent, saying that um, the notes that went to Cabinet and the discussions around this were an admission that there will be lots of people who won't uh, be able to afford their own homes to get on the housing ladder. And when they come to retirement, they will need to continue to rent. And that is one of the things that's making this so important. Yes, 100%. So you can see that. I mean, look, it's we talk about generation rent and we've talked about it on this program before. But when you follow that down the line, currently the state pension is worth about, I think it's around 13000 a year to a pensioner. Um, if we're looking at rents, even if they do stabilise the market and bring prices down, €13,000 a year is not going to be nowhere near enough for people to be able to afford to continue to, to rent and, and continue to do all the other things that they do in their life to, that and spend their money on. So this is the government basically thinking ahead so that you don't have to. So they are saying, we will put you into this automatic enrolment pension scheme. This is, we'll, we'll save the money for you. You don't have to worry about it so that in the future you will be able to afford to continue to live the way you want to after you've finished work as a pensioner. And I suppose the thing is that if you're listening to this this morning and you're 25 or maybe even 35, you know, you're probably going, pensions, really? I have other financial priorities. 
A hundred percent. And look, I mean, I think that's the same argument whether it's automatic enrollment or whether you're you join a company and they have a pension scheme. And you'll you'll always talk to say the financial advisor in a company or the HR person who's hiring you, and they'll always say, look, start off low, start off on the lowest one and get into a pension. And you hear this phrase bandied around: the the right time to start a pension is now, and all this sort of stuff. So the government's trying to kind of foresee the issues coming down the line, and pensions have been kind of a hot topic button when it comes to voters, especially when it comes to the pension age and that sort of thing. And I think this is something that the government would want to get in and get past. Because, I mean, as long as we've been talking about this, I think it's more than 20 years that this has been bandied about, this idea. And this government wants to finally get it over the line and get it done. And the current legislation, to my understanding, allows access to pensions, if you're doing them privately, from 60 generally, uh, certainly 65, in some specific instances, even from 50. But um, we understand that uh, this particular scheme will be linked to the national pension age, which is currently 66 and is expected, I suppose, by the time a lot of people will be reaching pension age to maybe be as high as 70. So it feels a very long way away for them. This is the part of the, and you're right to ask this question, it's a great question, because this is the part of this whole idea that will, I think, become controversial in the coming weeks. So this scheme, you're correct, is linked to the state pension age, which is currently 66. We know that there has been recommendations from a group who were asked to look at Ireland's pension age and and what we can do to future-proof it and this sort of stuff, and they have made recommendations to the government. Those recommendations are, are with the Minister at the moment, Minister Heather Humphreys, and she plans to bring them to the Cabinet within the next come coming weeks and there is this idea that or there is kind of a well flagged um that the pension age may go up and it may go up to 67 and already you're seeing huge kickback from the likes of the trade unions I've seen one trade union I can't remember which leader it was but one of the trade union leaders in the week saying that if the government commits to putting the pension age up to 67 they'll be signing their political debt uh, notice and, and like I mean and they will force this through for their members and this sort of stuff so I think when it comes to that in the coming weeks when we start seeing those reports about and that comes before cabinet and a decision has to be made by the government whether it goes up to 67 or when it goes up to 67 and how this works that is going to be extremely politically divisive and difficult for the parties in government. Yeah. The other point talking to Adam Higgins who writes on politics for the Irish Sun is that the current pension the 13,000 a year state pension that you mentioned, people might be calculating it alongside this auto-enrollment pension. But the truth is, the state pension may not even exist by the time a lot of people listening to this show retire. And why do you say that, Joe? Well, because of the pressures, the demographic issues, the fact that by 2050, we will have uh, so few people working compared to those who are of retirement age. Well, listening to Heather Humphreys and a couple of interviews she's done on various radio stations and TVs over the past week, she has constantly said that the state pension is going nowhere and it's the the bedrock that this whole system is built on is the state pension. So I don't see even... She won't be in politics by the time the crunch comes, but the crunch will come. Oh, 100% it will, and I think the recommendations that we're talking about coming before the the Cabinet at the end of the month on how to reform the pension and maybe possibly bring it up, those are the sort of things they're looking at to try and future-proof it. But you're right, it's an enormous problem that's coming down the line. This 
time bomb, tensions time bomb that we've been talking about for a couple of years and how to fix it is, is going to be a, a big and a divisive and difficult project for any government that gets in. And interestingly enough, and you know, it goes all the way back to Charlie McCreevy and his attempt to put a pension reserve fund in place, which worked for a few years until we had to raid it after the economic crash, uh, that we demographically are in a slightly better position than a lot of other European countries. Um, and uh, they are facing this much more quickly than we are. But it's it's coming, there's no doubt. Now, Thomas Fitzgoff is also uh, with us from First Choice Financial Services in Limerick. Good morning to you, Thomas. How are you doing? Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Adam. How are you doing? It, so, the, the, the tax part of this, you know, currently pensions, um, as John Lowe mentioned in that clip we played earlier, uh, you can get, is it up to 40% uh, tax relief? Uh, will that apply to this new auto-enrolment pension as well? And what if you have already started a private pension? Okay, so at the moment there's a slight bit of uncertainty around it, but my understanding with the auto-enrolment, it's not tax relief per se. So at the moment the government are giving very favourable um, tax rebates or tax relief to people, up to 40% for people over 60 and it dropping then depending on age and salary. But it ranges from 15% of earnings up to 40% of earnings depending on your age. But look, this is a positive move by the government. I would agree with Adam. There is still certainly some uncertainty around the scheme and how it's going to work. But I do think it will engage a lot of people who are, are, are not paying into a pension at the moment. So I, I do consider... So, it so just to be clear, Tom, so you're saying there's uncertainty about whether or not when this pension scheme starts, you will get the tax relief that private pensions have at the minute? Yeah, my understanding is there is no tax relief. It, it will be just the, the employer's contribution plus the top up by the state. And, you know, starting at one and a half percent and then increasing up to six percent. But, but how, can that be, how can that be fair if, if people who have private pensions are getting, you know, probably the best tax relief of any state backed scheme in the country? Yeah, I, I don't consider it uh, fair at the moment. You know, as I say, 40% tax relief is very favourable and we are uncertain, as I say. It, we are talking about this model since 2018, but it, it hasn't come to pass yet. And will it come to pass at the start of 2024? We will have to wait and see because it will depend on what government is in place at the time. Okay. The other thing is, can people, do you think, reasonably calculate that they will be getting their €13,000 or equivalent per year state pension alongside this auto-enrolment pension if they stay with it? Well, that's another thing that will have to be confirmed as well. Uh, what I would consider uh, for people uh, under 50 at the moment, it is likely that they will not get the state pension until age 70, but certainly for people under age 40. So I do think that's going to be uh, pushed out. It has been muted by uh, governments over the last number of years. It has been pushed out. Uh, and is it because of the demographic issues that I mentioned earlier largely? Exactly, exactly. People are living longer and the reality is a lot of people don't want to retire at 65 or 66, but uh, the state pension is more than likely going to be pushed out uh, in the future. Yeah, but I, I hear that point made and it's a reasonable one, but that depends entirely on the job you have. I mean, if you have a very intense job as a labourer, for example, uh, you know, or in certain trades, 
then the, the reality of trying to do that into your 70s compared to doing something that maybe is more office-based and computer-driven, like they're, they're worlds apart, Thomas. Oh, I would 100% agree with you, Joe. Uh, different jobs uh, w- should have different retirement ages, but the government are trying to uh, one-size-fits-all with uh, the state pension at the moment. Okay, fascinating. Um, uh, so uh, do we think, uh, Adam Higgins from the Irish Sun, just to switch focus ever so slightly onto covid that obviously we had Minister Norma Foley on at the start of the show and she was talking about Ukraine and the reform of the Leaving Cert and all those things that are are massive challenges for Ireland. And I think uh, President Zelensky is due to address a joint houses of the Oireachtas um, uh, session next week. I think it's the end of next week. Um, But on COVID, is the government determined, despite the pressure again this morning from emergency consultants and the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation to introduce work from home again and mandatory masks, that that is not going to happen? Yes, I think the, from the sense I've gotten from speaking to people in government this week is that their plan is to hold firm and kind of ride this wave out. Hopefully that t- the situation in hospitals uh, eases in the, in the coming weeks. And I think that's their plan. And you'll see that in the emergency legislation that would allow the government to reintroduce those mask mandates and uh, public health measures and those sort of things that we've become used to over the past few years, that is now out of date as of today. So if the government wanted to bring back a mask mandate, they would then have to go back to the Oireachtas with a new, uh, an updated version of that legislation and pass it through the doll again. So I think that's something that is very unlikely to happen. And it looks like this sort of model of where the government say, look, if you can, there's nothing stopping people wearing masks if they want to when they go places. And it's a, advised in places like shopping centres and buses and that sort of stuff. And I think that sort of self-policing model is here to stay now. And and that's regardless of the intense pressure on hospitals? Well, you'll see, like, I mean, that is real pressure, real political pressure that over the past week and even the past two weeks that that is coming from the health sector. You've seen the the likes of the INMO, the the other unions and healthcare um, professions coming out and saying, look, we're, you know, under severe pressure here. You've seen the HSC boss, Paul Reid, who has significant sway within the government, has the minister's ear, who is saying that there is real pressure on the hospital system at the moment. But it looks like the government is not for turning on this one and hold firm and let's see if we can push through this wave with no restrictions. That looks like the tactic that the government are going to stick to. And and finally, Adam, when you're trotting around Dublin generally, do you see a lot of mask wearing? And without naming names, what's it like in the Leinster House complex? That's a great question. I remember the first day that the, the... mask mandate was removed from the house i was coming in and usually we'd get an email from the erector services saying like here's an update this is what's changed and that email hadn't come in yet and i was walking through lenster house and had my mask on just because i thought that was still going to be the rule within lenster house maybe or something like that and there was i would say about 50 percent of tds with no mask on and that was day one and that has gradually deteriorated now to the point where i'd say the People who don't wear masks are in the majority now in, in the houses of Rockets and in the house. Now, of course, a lot of the staff, say the ushers, things like that, they have their masks on all the time. But within the politicians, the TDs and the senators, most of them don't wear masks anymore. So despite the fact that we will still hear from politicians that the public health advice is to wear masks in certain settings, your direct experience is that the majority of them are not. Yeah, honestly, the TDs, the senators that are would be in and around Leinster House, but it, it's it's 
they are in the majority of the people who do not wear masks. Now, I would say, though, that the advice is that in crowded settings, such as public transports and shopping, um, that they that people wear masks. And in general, in Leinster House, there has been less people on the grounds than there would be normally pre-pandemic. And I think it's it probably wouldn't be uh, a crowded space in Leinster House and okay. in the corridors and, and, of Leinster House. And just House. then, moving around Dublin then more generally, what has been your experience? Well, more generally, I get the bus into Lenza House every day and I have to say a lot of people on the buses do wear masks and in the past couple of weeks in particular, you've noticed that more people wear masks. You know, it, it's kind of, I think the public kind of move with the pressure that comes in. So when the cases go up and when people start hearing about, oh, I know someone, my neighbour has COVID now or my friend has COVID or her mom has COVID, they start kind of, I think, getting concerned about the virus being more around and then they start picking up these uh, mask mandate type things themselves and I think that's exactly what the government is looking for here. Okay. All right. very interesting. Listen, thanks so much on all of that. Appreciate your time as always. Adam Higgins who writes on politics for the Irish Sun and the Sun.ie and thank you as well uh, to Thomas Fitzgoff of First Choice Financial Services here in Limerick. Your views, your news, your Limerick today with Joe Nash.